Subscribe to NerdPod with Coach and K-Rock wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey, NerdPod fans. On this episode, we got WandaVision. Be careful. It's a spoiler zone. Never experienced loss because I've never had a loved one to lose. But what is grief? If not love, persevering. In a world overrun by content, the line between good and terrible is blurred by the very people who create and sell it. In a sound studio in New England, two average Joes are pushing back, giving their observations and recommendations on comics, video games, TV, movies, and more. Two men, one quest, one desire. You're listening to Coach and K-Rock's Nerd Pod. What's up, Coach? Hey, man. It's uh, it's Nerd Pod Day. It is. It's Sunday, March seventh. Hard to believe it's it's uh, we're in March. I know. What a week. What a week indeed. What a week indeed. Uh, <laughs> I was really happy to wake up to Wandavision on Friday and uh, wasn't necessarily disappointed. We'll certainly get into that in a little bit. All right, yeah, because today's going to be a, a big, spoiler-heavy WandaVision show. So after Week in Geek, if you haven't seen it yet, pause the episode, watch it, and then come back. Yeah, seriously, because we're going deep, baby. Uh, we're going to also dig into uh, you know some other stuff, um, some theories, and uh, talk about the future. So that's really good. But before we do that, uh, I think uh, it's important that we cover... The Week in News in The Week in Geek. And now, The Week in Geek. For me, I put this on the list as more of a personal news note. Uh, on March 16th, and this isn't probably going to be on anybody's radar, but a very select few who've known about this game from the original release back in the mid-2000s, but they... Stubbs the Zombie video game, which was exclusive to Xbox back in, I want to say, like 2003 or four or what have you, um, is getting a re-release on all major systems. PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, uh, the new Xbox, PC, everything. And if those who don't know Stubbs, Stubbs was designed by Alex Seropian, who who was the Bungie co-founder, which is the birthplace of Halo. Alex had a left Bungie, created a, a studio called Wide Load Games, and it was just, he created like crazy games. And at the time, Bush was president, he had like All Hail the Chimp was one of his games. <laughs> Stubbs the Zombie was another, um, which for me, it just hit it, all the right notes. Uh, you play as the zombie, Stubbs. You're on a mission to reconnect with your living love. And through it is basically you, your adventure is you zombify a whole retro 50s futuristic styled city. Um, and it's one of those hilarious games. And I couldn't be more excited to get back into that world. So um, in side note, I used to work in a company where I was doing sales for um, wireless Internet for for you know companies. It was business to business sales. I called wide load uh, games and spoke to Alex Seropian in per- like directly. He picked up the phone and I was wow. pitching him 
the service before I realized I was actually talking to the guy who was, you know, basically changed the way gaming was forever with Bungie and Halo. So it was pretty wild. Really nice guy, very down to earth. So kind of a cool thing to see this game come back and get some love. Um, and from what I understand, it's going to play the same way it played back in the original release. So they're not remastering it or any of that. It's going to be playing on the yeah. new systems. Same experience. And trust me, it is a fun, fun game. That's really exciting. That's cool. I'm sure there's going to be – you may not be so alone like you think on this. I think uh, there will be some people that are excited about this. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, it reminds me the the one time that I think I spoke to Alice Cooper when we worked at a certain company that was calling restaurants. So um, <laughs> that was long ago. Uh, but that's great. Great news. Mm -hmm. So that's only uh, no, wow, about a week away, yes. maybe 10 days away. That's awesome. Very good. So in the midst of our and, and I, I would almost think that this is possibly done on purpose in the midst of our uh, sort of being in the ether of WandaVision. Uh, HBO Max dropped the Justice League trailer uh, or the, the Justice League Snyder Cut trailer. And it looks to me like they're dropping it in like like you get a, a Superman trailer and then there was an Aquaman trailer and then I guess there was a Batman trailer. I haven't seen any Wonder Woman or Flash or anybody else, but uh, I guess that's how they're supposedly releasing it. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I, like I said, I mean, I think this is news for us because it has to be news for us. Um, I think we're both probably in on watching it. Uh, the trailers did nothing to inspire me to do so. Um, it felt convoluted and overblown and the CGI was bad. And I, I feel like we have to watch it because of what we do, but I was not at all inspired by the trailers what say you i couldn't say it any different uh the cgi is still a mess and I, we we tr i feel like we we overly <laughs> come over the top rope and and hammer on dc but man do they deserve it make it so easy uh, to do i don't want to like, hate this movie I really don't i didn't want to hate it when Whedon did it i just i wanted to yeah. like justice league we've always said life is better when both Marvel and DC are succeeding. But this Justice League, even though Snyder's going to get his hands on it, and yeah, it, it's probably going to be a better movie. There's no question. That's not setting a high bar. It's you not. Know? It's not um, setting a high bar. So I'm looking forward to seeing it in, in more of the way it was meant to be. And yeah, Snyder's a downer. He he, he is a very moody and his, his movies are dark. But you know what? That's okay for me because that's I, I have a dark side too. You know, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pun? No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it just I spell it correctly. So yeah. The uh, <laughs> um, no, I agree. I, I think the trailer is is conf I don't want to say it's confusing, but it's a confusing mess. Uh, it's it's yeah, just a lot yeah. of like here here's a shotgun approach of what we're gonna show you. We hope something is it, it looks cool, um, but the CGI man, it, doesn't it look like early two thousand CGI? Very very animated looking, like all the best studios now they mix both the CGI, but they mix it very heavily with with um, the motion capture. motion capture or they're they're in like real sets. So it's all yeah. kind of blended together, and you can't tell where one starts 
in the other ends. Uh, yeah. This does not have that. I mean, if if they are making it in a studio where they're trying to blend it, they're doing a really bad job. Anyway, that's just from the trailer. We'll see what it looks like when it get released later this month. I think it's on the 18th or the 16th. Yeah, one, one of those days. Anyway, yeah. you just have to Google Justice League and you'll figure out the the date. I'm not going to do it for you. Uh. Yeah, no, yeah, they can. We're, yeah, we're not doing that. Um, yeah. So anyway, I yeah, I think enough on that. I we're on the same page. It's not like they haven't had time. They've had time to to fix CGI to, or to invest in it. Um, we're still in a, in a COVID time where this content is important for HBO Max or HBO, yeah, HBO Max. So they, they maybe, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, we're going to see what happens. So um, I, I'm actually only slight less excited about this next piece of news. Um, but it falls into the category of it is on a streamer that we use quite frequently, which is Disney+. Plus. And the only reason why it made this list is because of who they just cast. But uh, if you didn't know, breaking news... Doogie Hauser MD is getting a Disney Plus reboot. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's called Doogie Kamaloha MD, and it is based in modern day Hawaii with a female, very young female lead as Dr. Kamaloha. I think I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ronnie Chang, who, if you're familiar with The Daily Show and his stand up comedy, is a Genius. He he does the best rants, uh, I think, in com stand-up comedy right now, which is saying something, given the times. Very, very good. He's also in Shang-Chi, I believe, um, which is exciting, right? Huge. Uh, so I feel like he's sort of grabbing some mainstream love, and I really like to see that. Uh, but I don't know. Another one that they announced this week is a is a Turner and Hooch reboot on Disney Plus. So Rebootorama. I I yeah. Um, yeah. For Doogie Kama Aloha, um, I understand why they're doing it. I I hundred percent understand why they're they're making this new show for a new generation. Um, I, I I here's here's my. My take on it, I'm not. It's not for me. It's not for you. It's probably not for many people listening to us, unless you have a perhaps a, a you know, teenage daughter or just about a teenage daughter, tween, yep. yeah, tween daughter, um, yeah. or maybe you know. And depending on how this, how Ronnie plays into it, it could even be good for you know for no matter what you have, boy or girl. Anyway, um. I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> so uh, the it's okay. The, it's not for us. It's not right. for us. But here's what I could see happening. I see this is one of those shows that I am writing off right now that could completely mm-hmm. Ted Lasso me. It's possible. You know, possible. it could be like Ted Lasso was a show. It's like, yeah, this this looks like a one trick pony and yeah. blew the doors off the car for me. Like amazing. It show. Did. I'm not saying really. this is going to do that. But I could certainly see it has the the beginnings of like how I feel right now. It's the same feeling I had with Ted Lasso. So it could certainly come yeah. back around and be like, hey, this is a bad show. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, that's my 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 internal gut is telling me you're you're, you're you might be wrong here. So we'll see. Yeah, OK. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I think you're right. And I think medical drama 
does a certain thing like a police procedural does, right? Like, yeah. it, it does bring a certain element of um, suspense to it. And, you know, I think that's good for a younger generation. I think we need more uh, stuff like that. Uh, it just goes back to, especially since Cobra Kai has done as well as it has, uh, I think that you're going to see more and more and more of this on all the streamers across the, you know, we're going to see, uh, you know, these these reimaginings of these stories. Now, this is a little different from that because I don't think there was no mention of Neil Patrick Harris at all. Mm. Uh, maybe you get a cameo or something, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they could... They could surprise us, and he could be the chief of medicine in Hawaii now. Who yeah. knows? With, uh, It'd be interesting with, to know uh, if it lives in the same world as Doogie Hauser. Yeah, yeah. I I think, yeah, it, it will be interesting. You know, because so, you could see something like, I'm guessing her character is, what, like 13, 14, 15, and, and a brilliant yeah. doctor, all those things that Doogie Hauser was in the 80s, I guess. Um you could certainly see them going, you know, there was a kid back in 1985 that had a very similar path and them calling in some sort of little Easter egg or Easter eggs here and there. Right. Yeah. yeah uh, for, yeah. for people who grew up with the original show. So, yeah. And she, yeah, I mean, he could be an idol of hers mm-hmm. and, you know, this does bring up a point. Let, let me say that again, my problem is with the IP. Like you could really have, have very simply come up with a, a new name and the exact same show without tying into the nostalgia. But, uh, and I don't want to go on too much of a rant here, but I don't know if you saw this week that the Space Jam reboot with LeBron James released some new photos. And uh, I'm not prepared for this, so I don't know all the names, but the, the female rabbit. Uh, has been redesigned from the Michael Jordan version. You know, the female rabbit in Space Jam with Michael Jordan had was more of a drawn sort of uh, traditional. It was like Jack, Jessica Rabbit, mm-hmm. you know, m- minus the the pun here. Uh, you know, a rabbit version of Jessica Rabbit, where you know uh, uh, her hips were super high and the shorts were super short, and you know the top that she had on was more of a sports bra than a top. It wasn't really a basketball jersey. So it was really like uh, drawing out the sexuality of a cartoon bunny. And then this week they released it and it, and the bunny now looks like every girl basketball player, including my daughter, ever looked like, right? Sort of oversized t-shirt, uh, regular body style, nothing, you know, no chest area, just a, a young female basketball player. And of course... The uh, extreme, well, whoever, the, the people who are against this cancel culture uh, and, and want to point out every little thing that gets changed like we're ruining it. Um, I, my first initial thought was when the original Space Jam came out, my daughter was in the age where she loved that movie. And I, not that I thought of it at the time, but I said, well, this bunny on the right that has a baggy jersey much more closely relates to what my daughter looked like when she was watching it at the time and looked like her when she was on the basketball court. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. I, I don't think we need to sexualize the bunny. I don't think we need to make it the the sex symbol. And is it the end of the world? Do I think that that bunny shaped my daughter's life in any way at all? No, I don't. But the, but did that bunny maybe play into some small, you know, image, body image problem for my daughter that she struggled with for her whole life? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just one of one million things in her life that 
that told her she needed to be super thin and have that kind of body style. So this falls into the same category. Like there wasn't a, a Doogie Howser MD girl for my daughter to, you know, on the screen. And not that there wasn't some great female leads, but this is good for exactly what you brought up in the beginning, that it's more for seven to 12 year old girls. But I feel like it's a really good thing. And I also think that it's a good thing that they made that bunny look like a basketball player. So I, I didn't mean to go, I didn't plan that tirade, but it did make me think of it. Excellent. Oh, it's good. Um, going forward here on the Rebootorama, um, this is more along the lines of a television show, uh, just like we needed this. So Child's Play, the, the horror property about the, the killer doll, uh, is getting oh, no. a USA or sci-fi um, show called Chucky. 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 Um, right. The interesting thing for me here is they're bringing in Jennifer Tilly, who, who's had a role in the series. Um, yeah. And one of the coolest parts for me is they're bringing back Brad Dorff, who voices Chucky. Um, not saying this is good or bad, or the show's going to be good or bad. It very well could be, again, a, a sleeper or a hit. I don't know. I've never been a fan of Child's Play or, or the Killer Doll thing. But the fact yeah. that they're bringing Brad back to voice Chucky is a good, good, um, good idea. Now, the synopsis that I'm reading on uh, IMDb is the Chucky doll turns up at a suburban yard sale. Um, so the town's going to <laughs> have cool. to go through a series of horrifying murders to begin to expose the town's hypocrisies and secrets. So a lot of drama, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, that's at, good. And and I saw Devin Sawa attached. Uh-huh. Um, if you're a... a, a Final Destination uh, fan or, you know, 90s movies growing up or, you know, kid movies for my daughter it was. She was a huge Devin Sawa girl. And uh, he was good in those Final Destination movies. And I think he played Stan in uh, the Eminem video for, for that song. Oh, for real? I did not know Yeah, that. he did. And, yeah, yeah. He's, he's pretty good. Like, he's more of a throwback, but it's nice to see him come back uh, and... You know, be making some waves in this time. So I guess that could be cool. Yeah, well, being attached to Final Destination puts you in the horror genre. For sure. You know? For sure. For I'm looking sure. at his, he's what he's known for. He's known as being Casper on. All uh, right. Casper right. on screen. So I think I remember the old movie from the mid 90s where they yep. had like a flashback, and I guess he was the actor that played Casper. All right, there. Pretty cool. Yeah, I think he he did some other like uh, '90s type movies. Um, there was another kid that was very similar to him that was in like that uh, Ladybugs movie. That kid passed away, I believe. But I always kind of mix those two kids up, Devin Sawa and that that actor. Um, but anywho, uh, so I, I guess you know we we do have some horror fans. I mean, it it does creep into our world a little bit. Uh, horror when when you get into video games and sort of you know comic books and it, it's definitely its own thing. But it does seem to creep into our cons sometimes. And so I, I'm glad you brought it up. Worth mentioning. Another great one is we both enjoyed the crap out of the uh, American Crime Stories from Ryan Murphy, the Glee and Scream Queens creator. Um, he also just did uh, Hollywood on uh, Netflix. He did uh, something else. Oh, the the politician on Netflix. So he he, I'm a fan of of him. He's a little over the top, but uh, the American Crime Stories, the OJ, and then the uh, Andrew Cunanan were incredible. 
Well, they're moving forward on a new project, uh, which they began to cast, and it's uh, it's season number three, and it's called Impeachment, uh, or uh, I think that's the, the short version. There may be a longer version. It's based on a book, but this week they tapped Edie Falco to play the pantsuit herself. Hillary Clinton. Really? Uh, I thought that was really interesting. I, uh, Carmela Soprano. I hadn't heard that, but that's really good casting. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So other notable names. Uh, so Beanie Feldstein is playing Monica Lewinsky. This is a weird casting. Clive Owen is Bill Clinton. Um, don't know that I see it, but mm. I – listen, I, there's a Rob Ford – uh, you know, the crazy mayor of Toronto in development with Damian Lewis as Rob Ford. Uh, so I I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I guess I could see it. I guess if you think about Veep and Christian Bale, how well he did with Dick Cheney, I guess anything is possible. Uh, he's a pretty good actor, uh, Clive Owen, so I guess I could see that. Mm. Uh, Billy Eichner plays Matt Drudge, also an incredible casting. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with either of those people, but uh, I think Billy Eichner is hysterical. Yeah, he is. Billy on the street. Yeah. Um, and Matt Drudge needs to be played by Billy Eichner, honestly. Um, I think it would drive Matt Drudge insane to be know, to know that he's being played by, you know, very openly gay Billy Eichner. Uh, I think I think that that might be a little shot to him uh, in this process too. So I know it is great. So that's uh, exciting. Uh, no release for that yet. I would imagine probably a 2022. However, uh, they have not. They're just casting now. They do have a script based on a book. I'll keep my eyes open for that. I think that's going to be fun. And for our last bit of Week in Geek news. Uh, one that both of us are extremely excited about. Uh, Bosch, one of our favorite shows of the past, you know, uh, five, six, seven years, is getting a spinoff with Titus yeah. Williver maintaining the Bosch helm. Um, yeah. It's going to be featured on IMDb TV, which you just educated me on. Yeah. It's free. Uh, I guess, I don't know if it's, you have to have Amazon Prime to have it, but Amazon owns it, I guess. So you'll be able to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I guess that's new. It may have it may be like Peacock where you can download the app separately. Um and yeah, I don't know if Peacock is gonna make its way over to HBO Max, but I think it's a similar idea. I think it's gonna be uh, a different kind of fresh content, but fresh content nonetheless. But it does have commercials attached to it, and I don't think there's an ability to upgrade. So I think that if you're watching this on IMDb TV, you are going to get ads, and whether or not they sell those ads, uh, you're going to get them. And so the, the problem with that I'm finding with streamers like that, like Peacock, uh, or even like certain podcast subscriptions because they only get one sponsor you get the same commercial you get it every 10 minutes yeah. and they play it three times in a row i that did happen the first time that i watched because i logged into amazon prime and i was watching season five of Mad Men, and i'm like why am i getting commercials and why am i getting the same commercial so they might have just been their early release mm -hmm. and they'll be looking for sponsors but uh, that's a little annoying. However, uh, I would watch hours of sponsorship to get um, probably the three best or, you know, three of the f best four characters coming from Bosch, coming back for this spinoff on IMDb TV. I couldn't be happy. Yeah. So the season, uh, season seven of Bosch is it's slated for summer 2021. There's no date that I could find. The spinoff show, uh, which is going to follow Harry as he embarks on the next chapter of his career, which might 
be meaning he's retiring, which in the books uh, does eventually happen. Um, So he finds himself working with Honey Chandler. So I'm guessing he's going to be a PI at some point. That is very cool. Very cool. And then we'll see what happens with Maddie, his daughter, Mm -hmm. uh, who may take his mantle, right? I mean, that's something that they've been, I feel like they may be setting up as she becomes the next Bosch. And um, man, I can't wait. I can't wait for both. I know. Seven and this new series is going to be great. Yep. And and like, I'm looking at the quote here from Titus and he goes, to say I'm ecstatic is an understatement. To be given the opportunity to tell more Harry Bosch stories is a tremendous gift. So you have an actor who's so committed to this role, and you can see in the last six seasons of it that we've seen how he's handled, you know, taking a character um, out of the pages of a book from Michael Connelly and translating it into. I mean, he is Bosch. When Titus showed yeah. up on Star yeah. Wars Mandalorian in season two, yeah, I'm like. Bosch is in the Empire. <laughs> I mean, he right. and he and Titus, he kicks ass in Bosch, and he kicked ass in that episode. He is just a phenomenal, very underrated actor. Well, and he's a great. Uh, uh, he's great on Twitter. He he loves his fans, and because of your Twitter game, um, and because of some of the connections that you have, I. I'm going to make a prediction that we will, at some point, have Titus Welber on this very program. Uh, it's something that I believe we should work towards, and I believe that I can commit to that. As long as he doesn't have like a bad agent that prevents him from doing things, I don't think he does. Um, but we're, we're on the, uh, uh, the same page on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And listen, even if it wasn't to, to grill him about Bosch or any of that, and just to get him in to talk about some comic stuff with us, to see how he feels about the MCU, and just to really dig in uh you know to to his thoughts on some things would be incredible so this is our first call to 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 titus please come visit the nerd pod we'll treat you well Uh, but i think we should start taking steps to make that absolutely and that's that's our week in geek let's get into some spoiler zone you're now entering a spoiler zone so no whining you crybabies you've been warned love it all right can't wait it's WandaVision, man. It was a big week. Woke up super early on uh, on uh, Friday morning. And actually, I am going to pull up the Discord. Maybe I shouldn't do this and embarrass myself <laughs> because it really, it really, it really shows uh, what kind of Marvel fan I am. But I went into our Discord at six o'clock in the morning. I knew that Screpo. I was going to say, who do you think watches it first, Screpo or you? Yeah, I feel Screpo yeah, gets wanna, up at like two in the morning and watches it. I think he does, yeah, because he's he's got the inside track before I even get moving. Um, but I know that he was just sitting back and and smiling at me as I was making these predictions because he knew that I was going to be wrong, and I knew I was going to be wrong too. But I still think it was it was worth doing. So I'm going to put what I uh, I'm going to I'm going to read aloud <clears throat> as we go what I put as my spoilers. And so I said, okay, before I, before I watch, here are my predictions, possibilities, and hope. The rabbit is Mephisto. Mm-hmm. I think that was a, a pretty popular one out in the yep. world. Yep. Uh, this one was not so popular. I didn't hear it anywhere else but from me. Was uh, at some point while Monica Rambo was talking to maybe Darcy uh, inside the uh, mobile sword unit when they were obviously watching the show from inside, she talked about uh, an, an astrophysicist 
that was assisting her, right? Um, and I really thought that was going to be our gateway to either Reed Richards, who is an astrophysicist, or Victor Von Doom, who you know uh, uh, had interest in space. Not an astrophysicist himself, but so I, I said that could be an incredible you know introduction to Reed Richards. Uh, I was hoping. That was really my biggest hope. Mm -hmm. I knew it was sort of a pipe dream, but um, yeah. Uh, and then I said, we see more uh, Fox X-Men, which I really expected. Uh, Wanda expands the bubble. Uh, uh, the missing witness uh, from the beginning, from episode one, uh, emerges as somebody important. Uh, White Vision turns into the new Ultron. Now, again, I didn't think all of these things were happening. I was just sort of throwing out hopes and possibilities. Yep. And... Um, and I said, White Vision coming online, right, when they when they sort of turned him on, sends a signal that uh, alerts the Silver Surfer that there's a planet that's, you know, primed for taking over and he's doing Galactus's work. I thought that was a possibility. And I said, all I know is that it better have a Fantastic Four X-Men in it or people are going to snap. <laughs> and that was where my prediction ended. So... Uh, that's where really where I thought we were, and boy, couldn't I could I have not been any more wrong, other than the last statement, which obviously we knew either way people were gonna freak out uh, at the end of the episode. Yep. So, and that's what we saw across the Twitter sphere is people bugged out that they felt disappointed, and now I guess we'll see how we feel. Sure. So my, uh, let me go through my initial thoughts and uh, about the show and and and. and in general, and then coach, we'll, we'll hand it off to you because I know you have uh, you have a take on it as well, and a the some theories built around that you want to go over. Um, so let me do my piece, I'll get out of the way, and I'll hand it over to you, and you take the reins and drive us home. Look, sounds cool. great. So, first off, I love the show, um, and for the most part, it, it landed a hundred percent for me, for the most part. Even the first three episodes, which I know were like you said it the best, like this is those three episodes were a huge gamble for Marvel, um, yep. right? Because you're you're asking a lot from your fans and people who may be tuning in for the first time to this show that's getting a lot of buzz. Um, I liked it a lot from the start because I knew knowing Marvel the way we've known after twenty some odd movies. You have to keep your eyes peeled and your ears open for for, for Easter eggs and for clues yep. about what's going to happen because they're all they do a phenomenal job of that is like planting little seeds here and there or little clues that you know for the people who are most in tune usually with the comics can pick out. Um, I've only watched it through once, so I definitely need to go back through a second pass and start looking for things that I missed because I know I missed a ton. The last three episodes, they brought more of that MCU style that we're, we're so accustomed to, you know, all the way through to the climax of the last episode. And for the last episode, it, on first impressions, it, it was a stumble. For the entire show, I thought they stumbled that landing. Um, yeah. You know, the action sequence was very entertaining, but it felt like it just didn't match uh, what the rest of the show had built up to that point. And maybe that was intentional. Maybe that was to say, here's your reward for all of the fans who, who tuned in for this whole show. That was very you know, conceptual, very heady. Let's just have a action fest for 40 minutes. And, yeah. you know, if that was the, the goal, mission accomplished. I just felt 
looking at the whole scope of the the series now that it, it just it felt out of place and clearly and I think this is why I want you to go after me is we are in now very deep cuts of Marvel comics um, very yep. very deep cuts so while I benefit from having you in my corner to help me understand what how, you know how some things are relating to the comics a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of viewers don't have that or, or don't have the patience for that so does that mean these deep cut references and teasers are, are going to require for those you know, that want to do it to go out and research on their own, you know, or, or leaving it to the rest to like, kind of like shrug it off and say, wow, uh, you know, cool show, but it was kind of weird. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's still it to, to interject just a little bit into that is even with, of that like an extensive knowledge of years of marvel reading um and i really try my absolute best to draw my own conclusions because there's so much content on the internet um i think even the most veteran uh marvel guys have to go back and understand what they saw and they've pivoted so much. So I think that it has become, to answer your question, it has become inherent that you you must either trust somebody that's really, really smart on this stuff or plan to do your own research. And I don't know how marketable that is in the long mm-hmm. term. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, credit is due here because they aren't just picking the easy stories to go after. We're not retelling an Iron Man or rebooting Spider-Man again. You know, this is... This is something new and fresh. And I feel like people complain so much in general that we're not getting anything fresh or new. And yes, I know it's all based off of comics and all of that. And I think you go into this later um, with the whole Scorsese thing, um, how this is basically the amusement park of entertainment. But guess what? WandaVision wasn't that. That was a very complex ride into human emotion and grief and how do you cope way way more than i think we've seen really to date from from you know, at least from the marvel studios um you know what i mean yeah yeah listen is that um yeah i know exactly what you mean and i find the timing to be incredibly um coincidental which um is is i don't know if you i think you have to wrap up and give us your grade but yeah. i I'm definitely going to dig into that because, you know, I started really thinking about it uh, and and I I have an opinion for sure. So I give it, if I was to give it a grade, for for me, it's a B, a solid B. Um, And to get to that A, it it really came down to that last episode not entirely matching the rest of the season to the shows. Um, The sadness and the grief, what we were just talking about. And why Wanda was coping and living in her fantasies. You are now entering really a relatable. spoiler zone. Um, the no for most whining, the season, the clues were all there to figure it warned. out. And it was like very endearing to me. It was sad, but it was also terrifying all at once. I mean, one of the scariest moments for me in the show that made me like jump was when she looked up at Vision and saw the corpse version of him. Yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, and it, it, it actually was a stuff of nightmares for me. It was very freaky. Um, you know, but then for most of the final episode, those elements that they had built, I think, over the course of the show, done such a great job of building up and starting from the very beginning with that 
the, the 50s Andy Griffith show kind of feel, like, and not really sure where we're going, and, and, and starting to introduce, you know, the next, you know, batch of um, content, or excuse me, the, the next um, uh, time frame, you know, through the 70s, the 80s, 90s, and so on, and then, then right. start working in the elements of what's happening outside of the bubble, and then just to have this this over the top big budget fight scene that pretty much dominated that final episode, it was just it a letdown, did. you know. Not not it, a letdown in the sense that like it wasn't good TV or, or good entertainment. It was just for the 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 the, the, the story arc for me. It was kind of a downer. It was it was like I I, I can I've just rewatched all of the MCU. I've seen this fight scene, you know, forty times, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so for that reason, I'm giving the series a whole, as a entirety like a B. I think it was a solid B. They worked very hard for it. Just they stumbled at the, the they they stumbled when sticking the landing. Um, sure, that's my take on it. So I'm gonna keep right. quiet and sit on the side until you need me. But I'm gonna turn it over to you because I think you have a theory that'll help us all have a little more understanding about this show. Well, it's really interesting, um, and I do need to go back a little bit to uh, give context, and, I, and I'm almost glad that I had this fight. So um, I had a friend over last week um, and who's not a, a fan, really, of, of maybe not, not a fan of the Marvel movies, but just hasn't dug into them, and you know, it didn't jump off of his uh, radar. It never jumped onto his radar enough that he wanted to chase after it. Not a super big comic book fan. Uh, doesn't really have any kids. Does it just you know a different kind of cat, uh, a, a PC gamer, um, and you know would way rather watch Monty Python than anything brand new. And I certainly respect mm-hmm. that. So uh, I said you know he comes over every Sunday and we we're sitting in the living room and I'm like you know you've never seen um, Captain America and made, that's as good you know the first Avengers it is as good of a place to start as any uh, in the chronological order it's first and so why not right let's let's dive in so we watched it in my living room and at the end I could see him starting to try to formulate this way to agree with Martin Scorsese on his comments. Um, so I instantly got defensive when he was trying to do this because I knew that he couldn't um, really do it. He couldn't tell me. You can't tell me that it's not cinema because I'm a cinephile and I will tell you, you know, uh, na- you know, narrative related storytelling, especially for visual. And then, of course, the three-act structure of a film, every single Marvel movie stands alone and is able to hold up to all of those things. So anyway, the the case was very, very weak that was being presented to me on why this wasn't cinema. But it did stick in my craw a bit. And I said, all right, well, I really want to go in. I just assumed that Martin Scorsese's take on it not being cinema, just had to do with the fact that the Irishman or anything that he had done before that never came close to these box office numbers. And as amazing as he is and as great of a storyteller as he is, he just he's not trying to make popular movies like this. So I felt it was when he said, I've never seen these movies. I don't watch these movies, but I don't believe their cinema says sour grapes to me. And I sort of dismissed it at the time. Didn't look into it any further. I'm like, well, this guy just is angry because he's being beat by 
uh, BioMarvel, and I dismissed it. So I, I decided to dig in a little bit into what his comments were, and I still don't agree with him, and I think a lot of people don't agree with him. Mm-hmm. But the, the idea was that, yes, the, the structure is there, and yes, they're technically movies, but what what elements were missing were the character development, the true, um, you know, hit you in the heart moments. Also, true suspense building moments or silence within a scene to drive uh, the narrative forward or to get to know your characters a little bit better. And so I said, I guess I can see that point a little bit, but because it's lacking there, so then it's a bad movie, Not it's not excuse me, not cinema, right? Like, that's fine. It's missing elements that you like to see in movies, but that doesn't make it not cinema. So as I thought about this over the week, and as each of my predictions that I mentioned at the beginning of this segment started to fall to the wayside, mm-hmm. I started to, to put it together in my brain, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, let me, let me take a look at this, and let me try to think about it from a different perspective. So after seeing the, the the complete series and when the end credit sequence that it gave us or mid mid credit and then end credit um, it just didn't it, it just left so much that we thought you know so many possibilities that were just completely left off the table and it left me wondering why and so I started to do a little bit of a chronological search of when did Scorsese make these comments when did WandaVision start filming? And are the two connected? And through my investigation, I believe that very much so that Kevin Feige with WandaVision was directly impacted by the comments of Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my, my big reveal. And I I believe it entirely. So you're saying – what Scorsese, his comment impacted of Kevin Feige was um, viewing how he was running Marvel stories that he felt, I don't want to say pressure because it wasn't like Martin Scorsese was telling them what to do. But maybe nope. are you is the suggestion that Kevin Feige is he looks up to Scorsese? And therefore, How? saying I want to, I under, he's he's there's a there's a kernel of truth in that, and let me show them that we can do something not uh, expected, right? Yeah, yes, yes, and and so I wanted to relate it to our own, um, you know, because this wasn't a direct conversation. This isn't like a at the Oscars that Martin Scorsese turns to Kevin Feige and says, um, you know, I don't, I think your movies are shite. That's not what happened. It was, you know, comments made in a newspaper. And so let's say we wake up. This episode gets released on Tuesday morning, as it always does. And then let's say Wednesday or, or Thursday, we start, we see an article, say, in the New York Times that says that Howard Stern listened to all the nerd pods and said, well, it's not radio. I mean, I, I get what they're going for, but it's not radio. And here are five reasons why it's not radio. Because they don't do commercials in the middle, because they don't do any phone calls, because they don't do any any of these traditional things, this is why it's not radio. Now, I am not Kevin Feige. You are not Kevin Feige. Nope. 
However, we are human beings. And whether we like Howard Stern or we don't like Howard Stern, Howard Stern is the most revolutionary person in the history of radio. And if he made those comments about NerdPod and he was detailed in his description of what he felt was missing, we would absolutely, A, take it to heart, and B, probably look to to fix the problem, right? Mm -hmm. And so I believe that whether or not Kevin Feige is a huge Martin Scorsese fan or not, Goodfellas and The Departed and Gangs of New York and so, so many other films are absolute classic films that belong in our, you know, in the top 20 films of all time and in our archives. And so, and then I look at the timeline, okay? So the comments are made by Scorsese in the beginning of November of 2019. Filming is slated to start at the end of November, for WandaVision, at the end of November in 2019. So... I think that if you asked Kevin Feige to his face today or anybody who had seen the script pre the end of November and then saw it when they now I need to go back a little that they did take a break because of COVID, believe it or not, as early as December 18th is when they stopped filming, knowing that a pandemic was uh, working its way in China. And uh, so they, they did shut down filming at that time. So they did not pick back up until much, much later into the, into the year of 2020. So I, apparently they had done a lot of things behind the scenes. But what, what I am absolutely thoroughly suggesting is if the script didn't change, at minimum, the over-the-top Marvel connecting the universes together stuff went away. There was so little connecting this to the rest of the universe, I believe the intention of WandaVision was to truly launch the next phase because all of the elements are there. Like I said about Monica Rambo, she mentions an astrophysicist. You look at at the, the kind of characters. It, they, they brought in somebody from the Fox X-Men universe that they just completely moved and ignored, mm -hmm. right? So what I'm suggesting is that they had the X-Men, uh, the, the Fox X-Men cameo in there from uh, Quicksilver, right? And they, and they changed it. it. He wasn't supposed to be blending a drink at the end and just be a nobody. It was supposed to go somewhere, and it didn't go somewhere because Feige was impacted by Scorsese's comments. Interesting. Yeah. Um, like How could you not be? How could you not, if you're him, right. and Martin Scorsese says, how can you not be impacted by that? <laughs> <clears throat> I just, I find it really, it's just the timing of it. And the fact that they started down paths that they never finished on. And with that, we talked about it. In those first three episodes, they used up so much, so much of, a, of the credit that they gained over a 20-plus film arc. We had They had so much credit to give that we stuck around for three essentially pointless episodes. Like you said, we're going to go back and watch it. And maybe there's more in there and it's better than we think. But... It felt like those three episodes were all building up to the X-Men, Fantastic Four, uh, Shang-Chi. Um, there were a million things that it could have been tied into, the multiverse, the, all of that stuff, and it went nowhere. It went nowhere in that, in that uh, trajectory. With all of that said, 
I think it was great. I think that it. I think if it if he did impact it, I think he impacted it in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know that we needed to move everything forward this quickly, and I, I think it was at the end of the day, it was a very long story about grief, and right now. I think we need that. I think I think we just lost a lot of Americans to a horrible pandemic. I think we still have an opioid crisis that's killing people in this country. We're losing loved ones faster than we ever have in, in a very, very long time. And so a show that can tie you to grief and how grief works. And again, just that line from Vision uh, brought back to us from Ultron where he says, what is love but... Uh, uh, what is grief but love persevering I mean what an incredible line that was and really captured the essence of of the entire show and you know she's not it doesn't appear that she's turning into the dark phoenix right she's not our next super villain Uh, I think that was another theory that that went by the wayside so it opened the door for new things which we're going to talk about next I'm going to put it at like a same as you, maybe a C plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't agree with you more about the the, the ending falling short. Um, but man, I, I the most frustrating thing about the entire thing was bringing Evan Peters in and, and wasting it, and just entirely wasting it. This is the first thing you do after you after that the the madness you covered that Fox acquisition closer than anybody maybe in the whole media you covered that acquisition and it was painstaking and we it, we were pulling our hair out at points and there were bidding wars there'll probably be a movie about that acquisition someday and that's what you do with the very first piece of Fox that you have you make um, a boner joke out of it it it's all it was it was a it was a five episode arc boner joke mm-hmm. <laughs> and very, very, very disappointing. Now, for people who didn't like Captain Marvel, the fact that 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 we're tied into the Skrulls here, and that we're very much headed up uh, to space, uh, which isn't a bad thing, nope. but this is doubling down on that Nick Fury uh, standalone show, and Captain Marvel. It appears, which is not the places that we thought this was headed. We heard Dr. Strange associated with this forever. So uh, where did that go? It just didn't go any, it, it, it didn't just disappear. It disappeared because Scorsese busted Feige's balls. That's what I think. <laughs> I agree. So I, I like, I love C that. C plus. I love it. Um, Thanks man. I'm just trying to, and just for the audience, it's the first I'm hearing of it. So I'm digesting it just as, as you are <laughs> right now too. But I don't disagree with any point that you made. Um, I think it boils down to like, and again, we don't know Kevin. We don't know its mindset or is Certainly this not. any element or kernel of the truth to this. But it's like, think of, imagine your hero, your idol, someone you look up to and said, that's who I want to strive to in this, in my profession. Coming back and just saying like, yeah, what you do is okay. But if you did it this way, it'd be better. You probably... Right? <laughs> you would pay right? attention, like, like and and if you said if you said if you picked directors, even if he's not a fan, let's just assume that he's not a fan of Goodfellas at all, and he's never been a fan of Scorsese. If you walk up to any 
jackass on the street. If you walk up to my mother right now and ask her the five most influential directors, she, she is undoubtedly, she's going to say Francis Ford Coppola, she's going to say Martin Scorsese, she's going to say Quentin Tarantino, and then Phil, you know Oliver Stone and Steven Spielberg. So if any of those five guys, Stanley Kubrick maybe, uh, who's gone, but if any of those five guys say anything, you're paying attention. Regardless, even if you don't even need to be a super fan. If, if, if they say something, you are listening. And especially Feige, who has built an entire universe. It, it, you can't build a universe without being completely keen and, and tuned in to exactly what's going on around you. He's a genius. And again, taking some criticism from an outside or taking some suggestion or notes from people is not necessarily a bad thing. But I do believe it's why we didn't see Doctor Strange in this in this uh, uh, series I, because we right yeah. we heard it for, for for years that it was going to be tied to this years. So uh, here's what's interesting: um, you, even the, the the smartest, brightest people, the geniuses of us, uh, you know that that live among us, they get there because they listen, yeah, right? They do. Uh, they get there because they they'll. they'll the, will internalize a suggestion and may or may not outwardly say that they agree with it, but they're going to listen and look and at what they're doing and, huh, what if I did it a different way? So maybe I don't need to, if I'm Kevin, I don't need to take WandaVision and, and just start drawing the, the map for people to look at. Maybe I'm going to keep more of that stuff to myself. And we're going to release it in a different way than we ever did before. It's not necessarily a good or bad thing. I just, I personally, I'm curious. Do you think if this is true, and we'll never know. Um, no, we won't. If this is true, does this have a more positive impact on the next phase of the MCU? Because now it's forcing, or maybe, you know, again, asterisk, if it's true. Um, yep. It's forcing them to make different decisions than they did the first phase. I think it does make it, it may make it better. It may make it stronger uh, because listen, if, if I could from that argument, I I looked back at things a little bit differently than I did initially because again I dismissed the entire idea and concept right from the get go because I I just said sour grapes and then when I looked I said you know. There isn't a lot of suspense here. There isn't a lot of buildup, um, you know. And and you know that the person, the, the friend that was here, said, "Why do you believe? Do you believe that that Steve Rogers and Peggy Carter are emotionally connected? Were you so excited that they were getting together at the end of that movie, or the, or were you sad when they didn't, you know, get that last dance?" They spent no time on the emotional connection. Maybe the back of the cab ride where they talk about, you know, uh, finding the right partner. But it was an absolutely valid point that was being brought to like, no, there was no emotional connection. That There wasn't meant to be. Mm -hmm. I needed to see the comic books that I've been reading my entire life from my favorite character. And I needed to see it on the screen the way that I always imagine it. And that's what I got. And I was happy when I got it. But that doesn't mean that they can't spend time to do to, to draw some suspense to do better with character development. Now, between the the first Avenger, which was what, 2009 or 2010, mm -hmm. and go all the way to Wakanda, I felt 
a lot more emotion and there was more character development in Black Panther than there ever was in the first Iron Man. Uh, you know, you you didn't believe Iron Man and Pepper Potts to be in love. They 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 spent no time in any of that development. We were seeing the comic book on the screen. In Wakanda, it wasn't light years better, but there was a little bit better on the character development. But yes, I think that if they take some of this to heart, I'm not at all saying that I agree with Scorsese. This is cinema. This is uh, th these are movies. These are quality movies that stand alone. And I'll fist fight anybody who disagrees. <laughs> but can it improve on those elements, especially if these movies are are creeping up to three plus hours? A hundred percent, those elements can be brought in, and I think it's up to the directors to do that. I think they've been they've been pushed away from it, and if they get pushed towards it, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't. Mm -hmm. So if you look back at the last 21, 22 movies, if you could pick one that checks those boxes, right, that, that Scorsese brings up in, in that statement, yep. which movie would it be? And then why? Uh, what, what's it most, the most you, relevant? You think out of the 20-some-odd movies yep. that are released – we, you know, you brought up the early Avenger movies, the the beginning yep. stages. Obviously, that was mm -hmm. it, it, that wasn't even a Dis at Disney at the time. You know, very no, different. Yep, Marvel Studios. Um, yep. So over the arc and the growth of these movies, and they did grow. Um, yeah. What do you think? Which one to you, if you were M Marty? Which one to you, if you had it, if you you like chained to a chair, you're Martin Scorsese. Which one of all the Marvel universe films? do you think would be the most enjoyable to watch if you were Martin Scorsese? Hmm. That's a great question. And it might be, uh, let me think about just to, so, so again, I have one in my you, head already. Do you, well, I, I'm going to say, uh, well, Endgame was certainly emotional um, and did a little bit better with character development. I think I know what you're going to say, and what I'll say, and maybe I'm wrong, is that I, I did not believe that Gamora and Star-Lord were at all in love. Um, I didn't believe it one second now that I start to think about it. If I had to pick one, I would say the first Spider-Man did the best job of creating emotional attachment, of creating a little bit of suspense, of believing. Uh, that's what I would pick uh, for uh, Welcome Home or whatever, Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming would be my choice. What's yours? Thor Ragnarok. Ah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, um, good call. For all the reasons you brought up, it was the the moment where they took Thor in everything we had gotten to that point was very cardboard. It was a lot of depth to him. That movie, yeah. there was a ton of depth. A uh, ton of depth. You know, yep. loss. You know, he was dealing with, uh, you know, being you know, the, the prospect of his world collapsing uh, all the way through the end where we watched him with the ultimate losses like everything he knew and love was gone um yeah so yeah if i'm martin for me that was the movie it's like okay this is a this is a quality film <laughs> yeah yeah this this does yeah fit your category yeah. and really going back i i still think that his ultimate point was these movies are flooding our our airways now franchise movies are flooding the theaters mm -hmm. And it, it, it's not making any room 
for new filmmakers who appreciate avant-garde cinema and independent cinema and they can't get into the big theaters because it's clogged by fast fast and furious and marvel and dc and that is the uh, the biggest heap of crap that i've ever heard in my life there are so many channels and avenues it's why this show exists a hundred percent because there are a million places if you're good you will get found if you put out content that people like it will find a way starting with self-published on youtube to the million streamers that are out there to basic cable to any of, of a million ways that you can get good content out if it's good it gets found ask kevin smith Exactly. The, um, you have an analogy, and I'm going to let you, you say it, uh, about this whole thing. And I think it drives the point home. <clears throat> oh, geez. Did I write the analogy down? About amusement I, parks. Um, actually, I'm going to let you do it. Because <laughs> um, I was on a roll last night. I'm going to let you. Yeah. I'll probably kick it off and you'll remember. So okay. you were using this analogy, and I thought it was brilliant. Um, and I'm, I'm probably going to screw it up, so you'll, you'll – Hopefully, I'll, I'll give the hand off to you and you'll take it from there. But you were describing how these types of movies are like amusement parks. And you don't judge people from wanting to go to the amusement park. They like to get funnel cakes. They like to ride the roller coasters. They like to get their pictures taken with some goofy guy in an animal costume or whatever with their kids. These types of movies are like going to the amusement parks. You don't fault someone for wanting to go or having fun or being able to turn off the brain and not have to think it through. It doesn't make it a bad experience or a negative experience. It makes it a experience, one that everybody from time to time wants to, to break away from. You don't always want to go and watch uh, a movie like The Black Klansman or, to use this analogy, go to the Smithsonian for fun. You want to go right. let loose yeah. and go do something more... Uh, that you could turn your brain off. You can just be like, we're going to hold your hand through this entire, this, this, this train track ride. So you can, this dark ride. So you can see the story play out. We're going to tell it to you. You're not going to have to think too hard about it. You know, we're not talking about like an indie film, like that movie pie from like the right, late nineties right, right. where the guy gives himself a lobotomy with a hand drill at the end, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's, that and, was your and, point, And it just stuck with these. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. It's like, Whatever fast food you like, McDonald's, Wendy's, whatever. Just because you have it once in a while doesn't make it a bad thing. You can still have it your doesn't. filet mignon or, or your you know your your pasta, like your um, right, your avocado, your avocado toast. toast, your um, chicken cacciatore, whatever. Chicken cacciatore, yeah. Um, but just because you like to go maybe once every few weeks, once a month, once a quarter, whatever, and get. Uh, a Big Mac, it doesn't make it a bad thing. It, it's just, you know, you sometimes you just want to turn off and make it easy for yourself and, and let somebody else drive, you know? Yep, yep. And furthermore, to, to that point, and, or, or to the end of the point, is I will never stand in judgment of the person that wants to eat at McDonald's every single day of the for the rest of their lives. I... Uh, right and 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 I also won't stand in judgment of the guy that can only eat at Capriccio's every night and that can only uh, spend two hundred dollars on a meal. Um, what I don't want is the guy that's at Capriccio's every night talking about and talking down to the guy that's chosen 
to eat a Big Mac every day. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about a guy who eats caviar and, and, and filet mignon every day. Talking to, well, I've never eaten at McDonald's, but I know it's not good. And, you know, I know that it's just not like the filet mignon. Um, I think that the middle is a great place to be in that comparison. And that's really what I was trying to get to um, at, at the end of the day. That's what I, that's what bothered me the most. Um, but, you know, so this is a really interesting debate. It is like it's, a, it's an interesting conversation that we didn't get to have because we weren't on air. Yeah, right. You know? So, yeah, man. So with all of this, though, it, it does leave us or it puts us in a place where what the hell is going on, right? I mean, you said it during your uh, interpretation is like, do you need to do a massive amount of research to now understand where we stand, right? Like, uh, d- d- does everybody feel like they missed something because it wasn't a big splash at the end? We didn't see Doctor Strange or... Uh, the Silver Surfer or Reed Richards, right? We we saw a a scroll. A, a um, Captain Marvel reference. A Captain Marvel reference, exactly. And well, actually, uh, a, a Nick Fury uh, end of the last Spider-Man movie. That end credit it ties to. God. So uh, and and so again, one of these things you blink, you miss it. And so we're gonna hop now into. Uh, the re- what's remaining out there. I thought it was a really good idea to talk about what movies are left, what this may tie to, and just give everybody sort of an overview of where we stand because uh, we have another show coming uh, within a week or two. And then uh, once the summer hits, we're off to the races on the next phase. So I thought it'd be a good opportunity to really dive into that a little bit. What do you think? Let's do it. I love it. Perfect. So... We know we have Black Widow. I almost want to remove that from this list um, because it should have happened already. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that it's really may, – maybe it's going to drive uh, some future stuff home uh, and, and poke some ideas into people's brains. But I'm not sure how much it really plays into the things that we're talking about. So I think it gets, that is, it gets um, Black Widow her standalone. I think this was – this this was part of the epilogue of the last for the first phase, you yep. know, just like yep. Yep. Far From Home, Spider Man Far From Home was. This yep. was going to be yep. the final, the, the punctuation point of that phase. But a hundred percent, and and so it's great. It's May seventh. Um, I don't know how it's going to do. I think more people are getting the vaccine, so I think it might by then we may be even further along, and it could be great. Uh, a big one, and I can't believe it's as close as it is. Uh, July 9th, 2021, we have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So I have to be very candid. I don't know anything about a lot of the properties we're about to go into. Um, yeah. So yeah. what can you tell me, a, a newcomer to Shang-Chi, that, you know, for me, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners aren't really familiar with either, that could get us excited? I think you might be a little bit more connected to it than you may even know, mm-hmm. right? Or you might know, um, you might recognize a couple things. So here's what I'll say. I got really excited in the Ant-Man versus the Wasp or Ant-Man and the Wasp, mm-hmm. the last movie that came out. Uh, what was that? Ant-Man 2, yep. right? Um, where, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's the original Ant-Man. I need to go back. 
when um, when they had buyers for the suits, right? Do you remember yes. when uh, the suit was being created? Yep. Well, the the ten rings, which is the so so you have Shang Chi, which is a superhero, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the legend of the Ten Rings. The Ten Rings is an organization in itself. And the Ten Rings, actually, I went back and watched. They were one of the bidders for the suit that was being created in Hank Pimp's name. What? So, yeah, go back and listen. You hear them talk about Ten Rings. Oh, wow. The other okay. Th- the other thing that stands out, right? So that was the first ever mention, which really does make him absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, that's a long time ago that they made that. Uh, so what the yellow jacket suit. Yes, Sorry, it was just, it just came to me. Yep, yellow jacket suit. I know right? exactly the scene. Okay, yep, now yep, I have to go yep. back and watch that again. <laughs> you do. You have to watch that and listen for that. The other big thing. Now, I'll ask you this and maybe a quick, interesting trivia question. Who is the leader of the Ten Rings? If you had to guess, um, uh, what's his name? The, the um, you're gonna get it. I can feel it. I might have to just just say Iron Man three, Ben Kingsley. You got it. Uh, yep, the Mandarin. Mandarin. Thank you. Yeah. So now we are going to get an actual Mandarin. Um, great job of Iron Man three creating misdirection. Uh, and I think it ties directly in, but 100% uh, the Mandarin is the leader of Ten Rings. And so, just to be clear, that is what we saw at Iron Man 3 is nothing to do with the Ten Rings. It, right, obviously, okay. because, um, you know, because it was now it, to say that Guy Pierce, although he's dead, that that role. Uh, may have had something to do with it. That could be part of the plot point. I'm not sure, but um, you know, we may see something like they did with, um, you know, Mysterio uh, and and you know, it being tied to Tony Stark or Hank Pym. Um, you know, Hank Pym is such a pivotal piece of Marvel that I'm really surprised that they didn't bring him in sooner. And you know, he's just so important to everything. Like he. He really is. He was the most important Avenger, like the Pym Particle, and just it, it just drove so much Marvel history that I'm surprised that the way that they handled it. So it's very possible we start to, you know, the way that they used Howard Stark, right? Like you would, they would pimp, point back and talk about him working on the Manhattan Project or being involved in all of these things in early days. I think you're going to start hearing less Howard Stark in those circumstances, and you're going to start hearing more of Hank Pym. Um, cool, because he, you know, he's that important in, in, in the overall storytelling and especially when it comes to this storytelling. So as far as the movie goes, um, we, there, you know, some names that I think you recognize the man we talked about earlier, Ronnie Chang, uh, is in this, uh, a lot of, um, Asia or Chinese American actors in this, which I think is great. I think it's going to absolutely kill overseas. Um, but they have cast their Mandarin. This is ready to go, and so th- those are the two things that I can that I can give to you. That that the uh, Ten Rings is a criminal organization um, that's probably going to be around now for quite some time. 
I believe this is a, a, a an entirely separate branch than the Skrull, Captain Marvel, you know, uh, path that they're going down. So this is one path. The other is the other. Well, uh, was that I enough? Went from not knowing anything to knowing a little bit, and the excitement level probably went up fifteen times what it was before. So just a little bit of like, oh, there's a tie-in here, and then uh, we have the Mandarin going to get a not coming back, but being represented in a better way. Uh, properly, properly? Um, Be- because yeah, people were pretty mad that that Ben Kingsley wasn't the Mandarin. That he said was an actor in direction all along. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent in here. So, well, and, and the other thing t- to expect is, and I don't know if you ever re- got into, um, you know, like Conan or Hercules or any of those. Um, I remember them, but comics. I did not. Uh, yeah, get into them at all. So. There were always some elements of – in those days, you would see a lot more of like uh, Silver Surfer would pop up into books like that. Uh, the original Human Torch, not Johnny Storm, the original Torch would show up in, in things like that. Uh, Prince Namor, uh, you know, the Submariner would show up in stories like that. But it, it, but it truly lacked superhero power. And what I think with Shang-Chi is – it's it's gonna be Marvel's first real attempt at uh, a, a martial arts type movie, and I believe you're gonna it's gonna be sort of seventy five or maybe sixty to sixty five percent martial arts, and then the rest on some uh, superhumans with superpowers. So uh, imagine this sort of like Legend of the Dragon more than Iron Man. Um, so if you like martial art movies, you like you know choreographed martial arts, this is going to be the film for you. I have no real idea how it's going to drive forward, but that's another tidbit. Expect a martial arts type movie more than to expect a normal superhero movie. Excellent. Cool. If it stays by the comics, yep. right? Cool. So then we're getting to the the next one after that. Dude, we can't do all these. Like we'll end up going for three hours. So um, <laughs> let's just go through. Um, let's let me go. Let me back up and and look at the list and say I'm I'm glad we did that because Shang Chi is coming out sooner. Next week we'll do the Eternals. But I want to sort of uh, tell you what my feelings on what WandaVision what properties it touched of what's here. So uh, I'm going to go through the announcements and then I'm going to go back and tell you what I think it ties to. Is that fair? Yes. uh, I agree. And the fans agree too. (laughs) Awesome. Perfect. So, so we just said, we said uh, July 9th, uh, 2021, Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Then November 5th, we get the Eternals. We're going to cover that next week for sure. Then December of 2021, we have Spider-Man No Way Home, which we just got our first uh, pictures from the set. Really exciting. Um, Going to be great. I believe this is the first place where WandaVision ties directly in to Spider-Man No, no Way, Way Home. You think? Okay. In what way? I do. Uh, in the way that, again, go back and watch the end credit scene of the last Spider-Man movie. And there is a scene. Nick Fury is in space. Yep. And it, it appears that Nick Fury is going to lead the coalition, maybe not in space, but uh, you're led to believe that Nick Fury is headed to space, right? Uh, and so I believe the Skrull, 
uh, you know, at the end, we had the, the, the mid credit scene where she says, you know, Director Fury wants to talk to you and she points up. Um, or does she, did she say Director Fury? No, she said somebody wants to talk to you or a friend of your mother's or something, yeah. right? That's what she said in that scene. And then points up, I believe she truly, that Nick Fury was reaching out to Monica Rambeau. Uh, the scroll obviously, uh, is the tie-in. So I believe that um, in the same way that because it was in Spider-Man, I believe it will continue in some way um, because of the Nick Fury tie-in. You will see something going on in with Nick Fury in that Spider-Man movie, which is going to drive that narrative Sweet. forward. All right. Yeah. So expect that. Then, of course, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Caitlin Olsen has already signed on. She's in that movie. Oh, and by the way, No Way Home also already, and whether this is confirmed or not, this is the one where we have uh, Doc Ock, the original Doc Ock committed. We have Jamie Foxx committed as Electro. We have both of the Spider-Mans, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Lincoln. Uh, we have both Gwen Stacy and uh, MJ. Uh, all of them have been rumored to be in Spider-Man No Way Home. So if, if you were not expecting... So that is your tie-in to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So um, I think really it's, it's, it's Spider-Man No Way Home turns into um, the Multiverse of Madness V1. Well, yeah, I'm looking at the, the casting. Um, you've got... Am I right Doctor about Strange, it? I'm right, right? You have... Electro, you have Doc Ock. Um, yeah, so there's a uh, Doctor Strange being involved. Uh, Olsen, I don't. See, oh, let me go to full cast here. Hold on. She's not on it, but I thought I had heard the same thing that we were going to get yeah. Scarlet Witch in this as well. So th listen, if we don't get Scarlet Witch in that, I believe it confirms even more that my theory is right that he 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 pivoted. With WandaVision because of, of Scorsese. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, I won't keep beating that drum. Um, so then Thor Love and Thunder, I believe more ties in with the other side of the world. Uh, I don't believe we'll have anything to do with what we just saw. Black Panther 2 is obviously living in its own place. Captain Marvel 2, obviously there was a direct tie in. So we know it's going to touch there. Probably for me, the most interesting on this... Um, you know, on this list is Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, because we know that we're getting maybe the greatest villain, one of the greatest villains of all time in Marvel history, Kang the Conqueror. The time-traveling Kang is going to absolutely be in Ant-Man. They've cast him. It's the same uh, lead from Lovecraft County or Country on HBO. Uh, I could not be happier or more excited. We'll dive into that. I think that is going to be a giant plot driving. It's going to, I think that's our Avengers. Um, uh, Th that's our that's Thanos, our Thanos level, level movie villain. there, right? Um, I do. Got it. So, what, you know, the first one, not Endgame, but what was the one before Endgame called? Uh, Infinity War. Yeah, I think, it, I think that War. is our Infinity War. Uh, Ant Man and the Lost Quantum Mania. Uh, it also, funny, sounds like it's going to be a ride at Disney too, doesn't it? Um, and I yeah, would not be surprised if it ends up being that. I also, I'll actually make a prediction and say that the Hollywood Tower of Terror will turn into Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Um, I have no, no insight on that, but that's my, that's my guess. Imagine if that happens. Um, 
<laughs> That'd be, if it's anything like the Guardians ride in uh, Disney, which is a mm. you know, the, the old Hollywood Tower of Terror in Disneyland, if it's anything like that, it'd be yeah, I'm sure a it's going to be. Lot of fun. So, uh, and then of course we get. I, <laughs> I really thought this was going to be as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. It is not. It is. Um, it's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. We know that it's uh, uh, our favorite director uh, is is back, and that's going to be really exciting. That's uh, 2023. Uh, who's that? Uh, it's not Sean Gunn. Who is it? Uh, what's his name? Uh, James Gunn, right? Um, James. And then we don't have any release dates yet for Fantastic Four, Blade, and Deadpool three. I did hear a Deadpool three rumor this week that. Disney is starting to push back on the script, and Ryan Reynolds is not happy. Um, I don't know if that's confirmed, but I would keep your ears and eyes open on that. I don't love hearing strife coming from uh, from that camp. Yeah, well, Disney's not used to having nope. Ryan Reynolds. They are. Um, nope. As Deadpool, uh, it's all probably going to be a very big learning experience for for them yeah, for everyone and involved Ryan, who will. Who I'd be worried would be like, you know what? I'm good with two. Yep. And I know, away. but he's he is really married to that <laughs> character, man. He loves him. And uh, hey, listen, that I think that yeah. they back the money truck up and get Wolverine. I, they have to at this point. And Hugh Jackman's, yeah, I think they're going to get, get Hugh him. Jackman. They have to. I mean, come on. I, I know they've... they've yeah. Okay, question. They're going to have to recast yes. Wolverine when it comes to it, right? Yep. I mean, there's, there's no way around it. Hugh is... To play that role that's so physical, the way that he's been doing it for so long, I mean, he could keep going, but I think he's done. I think you, yeah. you just can't humanly do it anymore. He put everything he had into it. Now, that being said, for Deadpool 3, if they were to be able to pull something off and yep. bring him back yep. as Wolverine, knowing full well that he's not going to be the Wolverine for the MCU. You, you right. just, I just, there's no way, right? How do you play that? How do you work that? Because in Deadpool 1 and 2, it's always been Hugh Jackman. That's been the No, joke. definitely. It has. And, well, here's the you thing. Know? I think that when we start talking about Phase 5, this is why I think, keep in mind that time travel was created through the quantum realm, okay? Through the Pym Particle, through mm-hmm. uh, the Ant-Man and Wasp movie. So when I talk about Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania and... The fact that Kang is involved, it opens up an entirely new... It's not like the way that they time-traveled in Endgame while using the Pym Particle. I think that we are truly going to get a much cleaner version of time travel out of Quantumania because that is how Kang travels. That is how he gets... That's how he gets his power and and does what he does. So that's what I believe is going to happen. It is... We're going to see the possibilities open up. And that's why I think Fantastic Four is after it as well. I think that's going to tie in directly with that. So that's how I think they have to play it. I think they uh, it's going to be a time travel type scenario um, if they do. So they can have multiple actors. Doing and I think, yeah, I roles. think Taron Egerton is your next Wolverine. I mean, he's, he really is the, the, the natural choice for me. Um, you know, he played Elton John. He's been in the Kingsman movies. Um, if you look at him, I've seen some mock-ups of him as Wolverine, and he's perfect. So, um, how tall is he? <laughs> yeah, he's he's short. No, he's good. He's he, well, that's he's good. Right. Jackman, did you? I had no idea this till the other day. I was looking it up about you know, the future of the character. 
And while everyone, for the most part, loves Hugh Jackman, his take on it, they said he's entirely too tall. And I'm thinking, I didn't realize he was a tall guy. And I looked at it. He's 6'3". He is. He's a big dude. And Wolverine's, what, 5'6 in the comics? Yeah, even little. I'd like, you know, uh, what the dude from Mermaids, what was his name? Bob Haskins? Bob Hoskins? He was really the the first choice for Wolverine in those days before he died. Like, that's who the Wolverine was. More like a old New York, Brooklyn-type cabbie. Like a short, stocky, hairy, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. that's your guy. And so I think he's close to that. He's not a big guy. Um, so I really love the possibilities of that. So He's a phenomenal actor. Oh, well. abs- he's really great. Um, to fill the, you know, to put the claws on. After Hugh, I mean, he'd be, uh, I think, excellent choice. For sure. Yeah, like I said, Hugh left it all out there on the uh, screen. He did, he, no doubt about it. He took some of the worst scripts and some of the best, and, and even the best scripts, and his, he owned the screen, and that's why he became the feature gem of the X-Men, Fox X-Men. Totally, right? totally, yep. He was the anchor of that series, even though in the comics, Wolverine is not the anchor of the X-Men. No, certainly not. Um, I yep. mean, he had his own great standalone, and people liked him, but he was more of a niche um you know, character. Um, you yeah. know, it was kind of angry and people love Cyclops more. The movies didn't portray that at all. So um, anyway, back to the, uh, so let's just run through TV really quickly. Um, I just found this out yesterday that Falcon and Winter Soldier is only six episodes. I th- six I think episodes? When people, Do you know how long the episodes uh, are? I don't know. I think they're in the 40 to 45 range, but. Um, that softens the blow. I it. guess it does. If they're not super you quick, know? yeah. Um, yeah. It does. So, so Loki, we don't think is going to tie in, um, you know, with with the WandaVision. What if is uh, animated? Miss Marvel's been in development, although there's a Captain Marvel tie in with Miss Marvel, so that might be our first look in. Um, but but, and and again, we can get much more into this next week. But if you see where the what if break off is, so Miss Marvel, Hawkeye, and Moon Knight. This is starting here to build the uh, either yeah Young Avengers. This is where mm-hmm. Young Avengers is going to come from because Miss Marvel and Clint's daughter and even uh, uh, Cassie um, Ant Man's daughter um, is a Young Avenger. So that's where it's clear that that's where they're headed after What If to me. Um, and then you got She-Hulk, the Guardians holiday special. So it's that it's Secret Invasion, which is really still probably two years out. Maybe they they come out with that faster. But that to me was the biggest tie-in that came out of WandaVision. That is absolutely the Nick Fury starring show, Nick Fury in space, Secret Invasion. They made direct reference to it. So it must not be as far away as I think it is. Maybe it's a year away, not two. Um, but of the shows, that's all I can really see directly tying in. Armor Wars, again, great animation. And then the Wakanda TV series is going to be phenomenal. It's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. But uh, Secret Invasion is a direct tie-in to WandaVision. So. Great list. Um, yeah, man. A lot here to unpack, and you're right. There's no We would be on for four yeah. hours if we tried But I think we should break down the Eternals and some of these other movies the same way that we just did Shang-Chi because I think people do need a reason to get excited about it. I think they need, need yeah. to... Yeah, I mean, we are... We said it before. If it's not sp- like Spider-Man or Thor or even now Ant-Man, we're in deep-cut territory. We're uh, getting there. So I think having a little, like, yeah, a weekly 
breakdown on these to get people excited with you is, a, I think, a good thing. We could call it Coach's Corner yeah, or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so we can definitely um, do that next week um, and, and, and start that down that path. So, well, I, I hope I didn't disappoint with my big – I know I've been leading up my, my theory, and I hope I didn't disappoint you with my theory of uh, – uh, uh, my Scorsese theory. Um, I think it was you had you had some some good theories to back that main theory up. Some good some hypotheticals there, uh, and we ran with it. I, I I'm sure it, it's if you were to talk to anybody in the know, they'd be like, nope, that's absolute trash. But right. to us in our little world, I think it makes a hell of a lot of sense. I think so too. So I guess we'll <laughs> see what the listeners think about it. So any clo- any oh, yeah. closing thoughts for the day? The well, this supersized monster episode um i feel pretty i my parting thoughts is it was it was great to get back into to the marvel world um and have something like of quality Uh, and not i know there's fans of shield uh the show yeah out there but realistically that that never felt connected to marvel um it it felt like a tv series that never resonated with me this is the first time we've had something that um, felt connected to the MCU in terms of storytelling and quality and having direct tie-ins to the properties that we've now known and loved for 10-plus yeah. years. Um, so it's been really fun getting back into this world um, with WandaVision with, you know, for, for all the good and, and, and some of the, the stuff that was a little critical about it. Um, it was fun to get back into it. And looking forward, there's so much content coming out. And when you were, I'm looking at a list here on my screen that Coach put together and the amount of content that's getting released in just the, the next two years is incredible. Um, so I'm feeling really excited again. Um, remember the feelings we had when we started this show, yeah. you know, a couple of years back and, you know, it was like every other month we were getting some new Marvel movie that was just blowing the doors off of the last one. And it looks like we're going to be in for that again. Um, so I'm looking forward to hearing more about these properties like Eternals, for example, and learning more about it from you and how you know this is all going to come together, um, at least in the way that you're 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 guessing it's going to come. Yeah, I mean, so, and. We'll have some more theories and stuff, and uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't be, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to it, all of it, what we see on the screen, what we don't, uh, it's going to take, you know, we, I've been so wrong, and, and that's really actually what I'm going to say as my closing thoughts for this week on this supersized episode is, um, you know, we're never going to be afraid to be wrong, and you can point and laugh at us if we want if you want, but that that's the nature of this thing is that we're going to be wrong. Um, they're never going to follow d- a direct storyline. They took pieces of infinity gauntlet, infinity crusade, uh, and, and secret wars. And they've taken little pieces of everything to patch these movies together. Uh, we could have never guessed, uh, that, that where it would have ended. And I imagine the same things are going to happen that I'm going to tell you what the comics were like, and I'm going to give you my best theory and we're very likely going to be wrong, but we're going to continue to do it. And hopefully, you know, you learn stuff about characters and maybe get excited about when it doesn't go or does go a certain way. So I will be completely unapologetic apologetic that i know i'm going to be wrong and i'm looking forward to it (laughs) awesome cool 
Um, well, on that subject, I'm I'm all good. He we just uh, hit an hour and thirty minutes. So if you're still with us, thanks for sticking around, and we hope we didn't spoil anything for you. But you know that's why we had that big warning big warning, front, right? big loud warning. So thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Uh, watch some movies this week, and we're going to talk to you on the other side. All right, boys, let's close it down. All right, boys, let's close it down. You man, you and all your water Ain't it against me like a goddamn bull So close, too close, my skin starts to glow Sweat pouring down, singing in my life Life starts to boil, watch your temperature rise You have been listening to NerdPod with Coach and K-Rock from Podacy Entertainment. Be sure to follow Coach and K-Rock to stay up to date on all upcoming nerd pods and Podacy programs on Instagram, which you can find them at Podacy, that's P-O-D-D-E-S-Y, on Twitter, which is at NerdPodacy, which is N-E-R-D-P-O-D-D-E-S-Y, and Facebook, they're at NerdPod.